Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. Well, good afternoon, Southern California. I feel much better today. Very healthy and happy and not depressed. Somewhat evolved. Noted I was the ball in last night's game, so got bounced around quite a bit going back and forth being the brick for Detroit and the swish for the world champion Lakers. You heard it right here on KFOX, of course, months ago, reaffirmed many times especially as we highlighted Magic Johnson's chart for you yesterday. Lakers are no problem, and I said James Worthy would be a powerful factor, so congratulations to James. I know they're all listening to the Astrology Hour right now. (laughs) They're at their celebration, right, but they're listening. Anyway, we're going to talk, those of you that are listening, congratulations. We have a very good topic for you today. We're going to be talking about karma in the natal chart. Now, yesterday, we talked about the heaviest debt that could be owed to your soul by itself as far as Saturn, the planet Saturn and the Saturn cycle. But because we are all human and because this is the third dimension, I didn't want anyone to feel left out or alone in case they had a blessed Saturn or unafflicted Saturn. That's not the way it works. Saturn is the major chunk of karma that we owe that could be one of the heaviest lessons for sure or a major area of pain and anger, or anxiety, or obsession. No question about that. But there is karma laced all through the natal chart. In fact, the astrology birth chart, with all the planets frozen in space, is typically just like a map of karma. And frankly, of course, we do focus on Saturn to understand our major number one lesson in life, but unfortunately or fortunately due to a need for growth, soul growth, and spiritual growth, we have all kinds of karmic elements that do crop up. Now, there are several ways to identify karma when we look at the natal chart. First of all, we identify karma by looking at the aspects, and that's the foremost and number one way to do it as far as I'm concerned. The aspects, redefining them, of course, being the angular gravitational effect that exists between the planets at birth. Some planets are in a free float or a smooth flow between one and the other, and some of them are kind of like intertwined or cause stress concerning their gravitational pull between each other as they boomerang around the sun. So when we have free-flow aspects between planets at birth, they are called trines and sextals typically. When we have stress aspects, it's either because they're lined up or in an eclipse or a conjunction, okay, or they're at square or opposition to each other. And if you don't know what the aspects are, well, you're going to have to read your study guide (laughs) that we include with each and every one of the charts that you might send for here in the Astrology Hour. We have a little instruction guide for you that hopefully will help you. But you see, that's not it. That's not where it ends. A lot of people look at their charts and go, well, Farley, I don't have a whole lot of karma in my chart here. I don't have any squares or oppositions. Hey, forget that. <laughs> that's the fixed karma. See, we're human, and we are constantly being tested. Every day is like taking a multiple-choice test life on Earth. In just about every day, we are having a transit aspect to our natal chart, which means to identify karma, First, you must know your Saturn and what it epitomizes. Next, you must know what your natal hard aspects are, meaning identification of squares and oppositions. And finally, you must be able to adhere to and embrace the transit square and opposition and in conjunct aspects 
that can affect your natal planets, whether they're blessed or afflicted. Obviously, blessed planets in your chart without hard aspects, meaning squares and oppositions, that are going through a hard transit are not going to be set off karmically as hard and as intense as one of the more afflicted areas of your chart would be. For example, I'll give you an example. A woman who has three squares on her Mars, who's already obsessed with men, right, would be having an opposition to that same Mars that would form several T-squares to it, so we would call that a karmic hot time. Or she could be having major problems with relationships or be totally void of them, and if she would be involved with relationships at that point, she might be shown a separation, a rebirth, a transformation, or a breakup. So we usually can tell, number one, the karma we've been born with by analyzing natal aspects and the karmic cycles we are going through by analyzing transit aspects. See, life is interesting, and if you put life and reincarnation and all of your life cycles in perspective, then you will start for a moment to embrace this iceberg that we call the karmic bank that actually epitomizes the vibrational qualities or the qualities of each individual soul. I hear some people that claim to be extremely evolved in metaphysics sometimes say that karma is not important or it's not something that you have to think about or be aware of. Hey, if you're a human being, as far as I'm concerned, it is definitely something to be aware of. If every person on this planet adhered to the law of karma and understood the ramifications behind the force of this energy, which I call like the God battery in this dimension, because karma is actually what fuels this dimension, makes it work, and keeps it manifest, if you want to know what's going on. So if everyone adhered to the laws of karma, then I frankly feel, I, I totally am convinced that we would all get along a lot better with each other. And this law of cause and effect, or people running around hitting each other on top of the head and, and vice versa, hitting themselves on top of the head, would probably be greatly reduced or would cease. I really think that people either are fooled by the fundamentalist religious thought and they really don't believe in hell or punishment, eternal eternal punishment is a little bit too much. You know, I could see someone that is really a karmically dirty person where they don't pay any attention to the laws, they don't do anything to absolve their debts of this vibration they sent out, and each and every lifetime compounds and gets worse and worse, and then they finally come back as a monkey, and then they come back as a donkey, and then they come back as a cow, and they end up getting slaughtered. You know, it's like, like people don't believe in that, some of them. I do. I believe in transmigration of the souls, because I believe the true punishment exists in the quality of the particular incarnation that you qualify for, which means if you screw up, <laughs> then you might come back. You know, why do people assume that because we're human, right, and we're created in God's form, right, that we're guaranteed to come back as humans? Take a look at the way some of the people live in this world. There are some people out there that are so carnivorous, so violent, so hostile, that it's almost like they're meant to be tigers or leopards or snakes when they come back. When you look at a snake eyes or a tiger eyes or an animal's eyes, they have a spark of life in them. They're animate. What do you think makes them tick? Let's see. Would it have anything to do with, I don't know, maybe God? <laughs> animals are plugged in to the ether. They have multidimensional souls. They have consciousness, just like people do. You can blow your karma, no matter who or what you think you are. I truly believe that souls transmigrate, and that I believe that the human element could be one of the more higher consciousness forms, enabling it to rise up and overcome the pull of karma, the effect of karma, and pull away from this dimension of manifestation, the karma dimension, the dimension of cause and effect, the third dimension, rise above it and escape the pull of obsession and compulsion and selfishness and such, which affect us down here. I'll tell you how it works. You see, 
most of the souls that come into any particular lifetime, when they first decide to incarnate in the earth plane, this is what we call a new soul. There's no such thing as a new soul, in my opinion, because the soul is eternal, and because God is eternal, the soul typically is an element of the God force that goes through eternal experience that may not have always been human, third-dimensional, earth-type life. So if you're ever labeling someone a new soul, what that usually means is they've recently evolved or risen up from the animal kingdom. Maybe they've been a dog or a cat their last five lifetimes, and finally they've evolved for whatever purpose to become a human. So you look at their hands or whatever and say, wow, you don't have many lines there. This probably means you're a new soul or a new human. Or maybe this particular soul or being hadn't decided to incarnate on earth in its entire eternal experience, but now it has chosen to attempt this incarnation. Well, what happens is is the third dimension is a dimension that we can play in, but we have to pay a price. We have to pay a price in order to be here because, frankly, if you come down here, it's not for free. Because there is an illusion of separation that is going on, because there is an illusion that we all are apart from the whole, because this dimension typically is a hologram, a facade, a travesty, a dream, there is a price we pay in order to participate in this entire production. And that price basically has a lot to do with overcoming this illusion of being apart, number one. And number two, self-respect while we participate and also mutual respect of everything that we perceive or sense to exist in this dimension. Obviously, when it gets down to basics, when we talk about karma, the center of God or the God force, the center of the universe is right inside of you. You are the center. You have this thing inside of you called the I, which expresses itself through this element what we refer to as the I am. And this I force is like the center of the universe. Although in our ignorance, we are under the belief or the opinion that we are one of the masses of millions or billions of creatures, when in effect everything is connected to us, we being at the center, and all people from their own I presence or their own I am sensitivity or experience can also feel this center that they all are at. So, in effect, the universe was created for you and you are the center of it. So all karma would lie within you, inside of you. So I want to remove the opinion or the theory that karma exists outside the self. It doesn't. Karma exists inside the self and that's the only place it does exist. And whatever the self does, it is subject to the ramifications of all of its acts all of its actions, all of its thoughts, all of its words, and all the vibrations that it gives out. Now, basically, this universe is interesting because the universe that we experience in this dimension is purely and simply a reflection of the entire God force. That's all it is. It's just a reflection. Now, let me explain to you what that means. That means that you are looking at a mirror. The entire universe, the entire planet, everything that you sense is a mirror of God and of the soul and of the center of the universe, which is right inside of you. I want to make that clear. So that means that whatever you do, every action that you create, you see it happen in the mirror. So you are like an artist. If you feel like putting makeup on, then you'll change your face. If you feel like changing your hair color, you change that. You feel like brushing your teeth, they'll look shinier. Everything you do, you can see in the mirror. You got that? If you feel like smoking a joint, then you'll see yourself get a little woozy. If you like shooting heroin, you'll see yourself maybe drop. Maybe you won't even sense it. Or you can sit there and get drunk and watch yourself in the mirror. Maybe you might not like what you see. But the universe is a reflection of you. And the point here is if you produce negative vibrations that you sense to be ugly or painful, then that is karma. 
So the reflection that you get in your mirror of life is your karma. You got that? Now, if you happen to be good to yourself and take care of yourself, and if you happen to present positive vibrations, then you don't create any karma. In fact, you create a vibration that is of positive force called dharma, which helps improve the reflection. The dharmic return are when we have comfort and happiness and ease in our life where we feel no guilt or no insecurity or no pain. This happens because we've done something special, selfless, humble, and very, very compassionate for the universe, which we are the center of. If we do something negative, then it comes back in painful. Now, a lot of people go through life, and they have lots of torturous situations, and they want to know who to blame. They're out there walking around hating their parents, hating their Uncle Sam or whoever was out there that did something nasty to them in their life. you got to remember that one lifetime is not long enough to allow the soul to sense its own reflection. And all these people out there that are doing ugly things and negative things, you don't have to have vengeance toward them or hate them because the way this universe works is that they're going to sense their own reflection. One day, somehow, some way, that force is going to come back to them. And a lot of people that have been just butchered in their lives, you know, that are out there blaming everybody. Oh, it was my mom. It was my dad. It was my brother. It was my sister. It was my friend. It's like they don't adhere to the law of karma. They don't understand that it was the self that sent out a vibration in a past life. Hey, I want you to know something. This planet has gone through a prostitution of experience through the last million years here. I mean, we are talking about pirates, wars, the Middle Ages, raping and pillaging, plagues, manipulation, domination. This has not been a planet that has reflected brotherly love. Talk about hell. This planet has been through it. If your life happens to be a life where you have gone through situations that have not seemed fun, believe me, God is merciful. And the way the God force works, in my opinion, okay, and this is always my opinion here, I'm not claiming to be a bottom-line expert. This is what I believe I have learned. The way the God force works is it created this dimension, this illusion of separation. It manifested it. The price you pay is that you receive the reflection of your own actions, whatever they are, sometimes compounded. What do you think all these prisons that are filled with all these gang members, do you think that's fun? You don't think these guys end up eventually getting punished and ending up in jail? That's terror to me. You know, the worst thing I could ever imagine would be end up being in jail with a bunch of people that have no idea what their karma is up or down or don't even want to hear about it. You're in there with a bunch of rapists and hoodlums and dope addicts and murderers and thieves. I mean, give me a break. Then you wonder what the karma is for the warden or the guards that are in the prison with the prisoners. It can't be that special, I wouldn't think. You know, what kind of karma is that? So when you're trying to figure out your karma, a part of it has to do with not blaming anyone else but realizing it that it's yourself, that this is your own personal reflection. And it's best to just embrace the thing, let it go, try to absolve pain best way you can, understanding this is a reflection. Don't hate your husband because he's not good to you. He's a reflection. Everything is a reflection, good or bad, better or worse. I don't like all the things I see in my life. Hey, I haven't been an angel in every past life. I've been a pirate. Sure. <laughs> I've been a warrior. Why do you think I've come back in this lifetime to try to, to spread some light on this planet? I want to absolve some of this BS. I don't want to go through suffering anymore. The road to absolution has a lot to do with spreading light and love and trying not to reduce how much pain you send out into this universe from your center. So when a soul is born on the planet, 
that karma is designed and it is revealed to us in the natal chart. The soul doesn't pop into this universe by accident. The universe isn't there by accident. The sun, the moon, and the planets in this system are designed as a metaphysical engine that helps structure the individual vibrations we as children, we as babies, absorb at birth. So if you can start to understand and master, maybe eventually, some of your astrological elements, then you'll understand your karma. And like I said at the beginning, the natal aspects, including Saturn, right, reveal the karma you were born with. And the transit aspects are the multiple choice tests that confront us with choices that can incur further negative karma in this life cycle. We're always being tested. Should I be good or bad? I'm not going to tell this person. You won't have to. They know. They're you. You're God. You're the center. You are the center of the entire... If you walked around and realized now that you're the center of the universe and that everything was your reflection, maybe that would help you live your life that much better. I love this topic. Can you tell? (laughs) I'm getting excited. Anyway, now this thing with karma in the natal chart is something very personal. Frankly, I know my karma. I understand my karma. I'll tell you what it is. I focus on childhood elements, family, children, and parents. A lot went on in my childhood and with my family. There was a lot of bridges that need to be patched up and resolved, a lot of peace that needed to be made. It was politics concerning family and friends. A lot of time when you look at the world as your reflection, it helps you understand exactly what type of person you were in a past life. Talk about a regression. (laughs) If you want to regress yourself, look at your life. You probably have been each and every character that you're looking at in your life. Even people that are new souls, that were animals or aliens, have karma with themselves because who knows what you did as an animal or an alien. You would experience a different type of result here on Earth, but you still have the karma. Once you come to this planet, part of the price you pay is removing this knowing or this realization of your oneness with the universe. So what you're doing is you're creating an obsession a negative vibration by being apart from the whole. So it's very karmic to be born. That's why even a guy like Jesus Christ got crucified. Even he had to go through intense pain, right? Because he was separate. He had to fight back to the light and realize what he was and stuff. You know, so that's my opinion, but I think it's very karmic to choose to be born, to be pulled back to earth. A lot of times karma can be identified through your obsessions with people, with career, with money, with power with domination, manipulation, control, even subtly. A lot of times I wish I had a video crew on me to video how Farley uh, behaves. Part of my karma is seeing myself, seeing what I say, seeing what I do, how I act, how I behave, career, women, relationships, money. A lot of us have the same karma because we all have the same planets, right, in different signs. So we experience our karma through unique experiences. I might have karma with money and gambling. You might have karma with money and stocks. This person might have karma with money and real estate. Another person might have no money at all. (laughs) See, so we basically all relate to similar karmic groupings, but when you analyze your natal chart and follow your transits, then you can zero in on exactly how and which way your karma will manifest. And you always know you're in a karmic situation when you don't feel good. When something's out of balance and you're not at ease, you don't feel good, something's wrong emotionally or mentally, then you know you're in a karma. There needs to be a peace made. Obviously, what's the best way to feel good about yourself? Love yourself at the center and the outward reflection of the universe. Embrace it. This is you. Why be obsessed with something that's going to be there for eternity? It's like people are under the illusion they have to reach out and grab things and put it inside themselves because they're empty. That's an illusion. You're not empty. You are the universe. (laughs) It's all there. You're in this big Disneyland 
and you can participate with anything you want. If you abuse it, it might be taken away from you, or if you've abused it in a past life, it might be temporarily removed. But everything is there. It's all in perspective. It's like a big, huge bowl of water. You might feel like you're in the water somewhere searching around, but you're still the whole bowl. I hope that makes sense, and and usually I present topics because uh, they are what the group mind needs to hear. I know I've done many topics on karma and karma in the natal chart, but I don't think I've done a topic as detailed as this. I feel, in a humble sense, that this is one of the more detailed explanations, so I'm happy with it. Are you? Are you happy? Okay. (laughs) Everybody's out there shaking their heads. Thank you. Okay. We are now ready to go to the phones. Peggy, you've been there a long time. Must have been important to talk to me today. Yeah. You're the Taurus with cancer rising from 1955. Right. And that topic helped you, didn't it? Somewhat, yeah. (laughs) What can we do for you? Well, uh, speaking of this karmic deal, am I in the middle of that right now with uh, this obsession I have with my career and, uh, well, primarily my career? Well, can you see your career now more as a reflection of your past lives in the people you deal with, in the goals you've set, in some of the teasing and the frustration that you're dealing with? Can you understand it better now, maybe? No. <laughs> no? Why is that? Not really, I mean... It's hard to put it in perspective, right. huh? Yeah, well... I mean, the most that's... confused about is my own upset. I mean, it's like something that I really want to do. Mm-hmm. And um... Well, maybe your, your particular soul has been used to a power structure. You know, like a lot of times, if you have been a rich and powerful being in a past life, and you were like a dictator or somebody who is selfish about it, then part of your life's lesson would be to see that selfishness in a reflection of others you might work with or work for. See what I mean? Yeah. See, that's the point. See, a lot of times people want to rise up and become famous or rich or self-employed because they don't want to have to deal with the BS of working for other people because it's too painful. Yeah. Meanwhile, those other people in control are incurring a lot of negative karma too by being that selfish reflection. See, so it's like a yo-yo. What do you see as far as, I mean, do you have my chart there? Sure. So what do you see, like where do you see it headed? You know what I mean? What do you see? You might be a little insecure and not make the proper moves. Timing is important for you. If you put things off, that could be a problem. You also may take things too personal and get too emotionally involved in business deals from your uh, cancer Libra stress that you have. You have Jupiter and Uranus in cancer, square Neptune and Libra. So you have to kind of separate your relationships and career. I think you have enough energy and you have the desire to uh, do something with your life. But I also think you may be frustrated with your own creative abilities. And once you have the confidence and the optimism you need and the, the visualization power, then I think you can make anything you want. It all has to do with your own limitations, I would think. Okay? Good luck. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's go to Ruth now, a Gemini Taurus rising. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Farley. How are you? I'm very healthy. I just wanted to say I've been in metaphysical thought for a long time, but I'm learning so much about myself through listening to you and through astrology, and I know that right now I'm ending a karmic relationship that's lasted for 16 years. It's been off, on, off, on, and now I know that I have the free will to make the choice that this is finally ending, and I don't know whether it has anything to do with Saturn, my Saturn in Sagittarius or what, but I know that I'm, as a Gemini, I'm never realized like I was two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and through astrology, I'm beginning to say, well, hey, now I really understand why I am one person with this man. I live on a certain level, I considering down to his level. When I'm away from him, it's like I have to ooh, change gears to get back into my own world mm-hmm. of people. And I think that through my chart, which I look at, I have it out every day that I can listen to you. And I'm following very closely what you say. But I guess what I want to know in my chart, 
As far as the karmic relationship, what does it show, and is this Saturn and Sagittarius the key? Well, you have Mars trying Saturn is what brought the relationship to you in the first place. Whenever a woman has trines to her Mars, it creates stability. The Pluto square your Mars, Pluto and Cancer square your Mars in Aries is what's being lit up right now because, you know, obviously the Pluto squares are very karmic and that usually means that two people in a relationship or an exact opposite reflection are playing different sides of the fence this time. Eventually, with Neptune coming around in Capricorn and Saturn in Capricorn setting off a T-square, you've come to the end of this cycle and the debt has probably been paid. Thank God. So your soul is saying to itself, okay, you're free now to do something else. You've learned this lesson and the reflection is clear, so I'm out of here. Okay? Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to Mickey now, uh, Leo Cap Rising. Hi, Mick. Hi, Farley. How are you? What were you going to call me, Stanley? <laughs> no, my throat's been acting crazy. Aw. Well, today's topic was pretty interesting, huh? Yes, it was. And I was looking at my Saturn. Yeah. And I'm having all kind of delays and in my career. And I'm wondering, I know my Saturn's in um, Aquarius and it's retrograde. So I'm wondering. It's in the second house too, right? It's the first house. Oh, first house. Uh-huh. More than anything, uh, the Saturn in Aquarius has a lot to do with limitation as far as direction confusion goals and such. Oh, God, yeah, that's true. You know, so connected with career, obviously goals are intimately intertwined in that. You're moving up to a Pluto square, your Saturn, which a lot of times will totally transform your goals and directions to something completely different than you thought they should be. And you're going through this all in the next 12 to 18 months. Uh-huh. So some of these timing things that are not working are actually signals to let you know that a lot of new beginnings are what's around the corner. Brand new, totally new, almost alien beginnings. Mm. Okay, well, well, just hang in there, okay? Okay. All this retrograde garbage is should create a lot of new power for you because all the Gemini planets are trying your Saturn, and that's there's a lot of hope there. Oh, good. Okay? Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Let's go to Marianne, Aries, Sag, Rising. Hi. Hi, Farley. I love your uh, topic today. It's especially timely for me. Oh, good. I have my chart in front of me, and the reason why your topic is so fascinating to me is that a month ago, on May 16th, I had a, a bad accident, and I took a bad fall, and I broke my leg. And I noticed when I looked in the ephemeris to see the positions of planets that Neptune and Uranus were both at about 1 and 0, or excuse me, I think it's uh, Saturn, were at about 1 and 0 degrees of Capricorn, which is in opposition to my natal moon in my seventh house, and I'm wondering what you think my karma is in having this terrible accident. What were you doing? Were you driving? Uh, no, I wasn't driving. I was walking, and I took a bad fall, and I broke my leg in four places. Well, Saturn and Uranus are in your first house uh-huh. now, and this transit's going to happen again. A uh, lot of times when a person is trying to do too much, when they don't know how to slow down or rest when they don't know how to give themselves enough time for their spirit to heal. Uh A lot of times we'll notice some kind of injury or illness Mm -hmm. that will slow them down. (laughs) You know, if you don't slow down automatically, then sometimes when you have this transit, because Saturn does rule the bones and Uranus does rule accidents, you might have had something on your mind that day. You could have been distraught, in fact. It may have been concerning a relationship or a personal problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, it might have been reckless or careless or kind of like in a daze. And, and that might have uh, had something to do with the accident. You might have been obsessed with something that you shouldn't have been 
Were you walking or playing? What were you doing? Uh, no, I was actually, I was in New York City, and I was on my way to catch a flight. Aha. Uh-huh. I was in a hurry because I was running late, and I was afraid I was going to miss the flight. See? And, was uh, there a reason that you had to get back home? Well, I wanted to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. I'd come in from Europe, and I'd been working, and I wanted to get home because yeah. I'd been gone, and I was tired. But the reason why I was so fascinated... You also have a, a moon-Saturn conjunction right. in Cancer, yeah. and you're having a half-Saturn return. What is and that? And once again, Saturn ruling the bones, you know, because Cancer is a sign of uh, sometimes impulsiveness or aggressiveness or an initiation. You're just having a transit. The Cancer transits tell us to slow down. Yeah. Well, I just thought perhaps since my uh, moon conjunct cancer in the seventh house was in opposition to the transits on that at that particular time, that maybe it had something to do with partnership in terms of karma, you know, my having this accident. Was a partnership involved? Uh, no, but I've had a long-term partnership that, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of looking at because now that I'm home all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See? Yeah, you now know, you're starting just, to really... I guess I was just wanting some confirmation of that. Or, well, you know. obviously it's giving you a chance to look at it in retrospect yeah. now. I know a friend of mine who had knee surgery and has been on crutches for quite some time. Yeah. And obviously when you're on crutches, it, it gives you a lot of time to sit there and figure out things, <laughs> right. you know? Okay, thank you, dear. Thank you. Bye. Be- feel better. Bye. Let's go to Eric now on line number seven, Gemini Libra Rising. Hey. How you doing, guy? Can you believe a gentleman got through all these women? Oh, yeah. There's another guy up there. Okay. This is one of your seed astrologers here. All right, guy. Good. Got a question for you. I know when my solar return is going to be in 1991. Well, now that's pretty intelligent of you. (laughs) Well, actually, my Saturn return. Okay. And I have uh, Saturn in the same house as you. 11th? Yeah. And it's 23 Aquarius 6 retrograde. Woo! You're Libra rising. You have Saturn and Aquarius in the 4th or 5th house? Looks like the 11th. No, it wouldn't be the 11th. Let's see. If, it'd be in Leo if it was the 11th house. So you're, you're Libra rising, right? Yeah, I'm backwards on here. Okay, so what degree Libra rising are you? Nine. Okay, so we go Libra 9 to Scorpio 9. That's our first house. Uh-huh. Scorpio 9 to Sag 9 is your second house. Right. Sag 9 to Capricorn 9 is the third house. Capricorn 9 to Aquarius 9 is the 4th, and then Aquarius 9 to Pisces 9 is the 5th. So your Saturn's in the 5th house. Right. Okay? So you have Saturn and Aquarius in the 5th house. Now, what's your question? See, I've got a um, two squares on that, Mm -hmm. a Venus and a Mercury. Okay. And also, I have a Sun trine. Good. Okay. I guess that kind of evens it out then. Well, are you married? No. You thinking about it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Part of this return may be connected to marriage, family, and children, Mm -hmm. and the responsibility with coordinating your new family, the marriage family, and your old family, or the natal family. Mm -hmm. Because we already know that Saturn in the fifth is major lesson in life concerning goals and friends from the Aquarius vibration. Right. And then family, father, and children from the fifth house vibration. Mm -hmm. So you put that all together, and we call it your karma. Great. Does that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. Okay, guy, good luck. Okay. And call me in 1993. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's go over here now to marry a Scorpio with Libra rising. Hey, Mayor. Hi. Yo. Great topic. Yeah, really hot, huh? I mean, it was sort of chock full, you know. And before I went on the air, we had one of our winners in the control room. Uh-huh. And it's so funny. I said, I have no idea what's going to go on today. My mind's a blank. I said, you know, I channel my higher self. And she went, yeah. And I went, well, this is going to be a surprise to me because I don't know what's going on. And then I listened to the topic and I thought, wow, that was so, be- I was really, 
Yeah, I like right. the way I try to explain things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's helpful. Now I'm going to listen to the show afterwards. Everybody listens at 12 noon. I listen at 1 o'clock. Yeah, you should. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> well, this hard aspect business here in the natal chart, I have like six squares. You have six total squares. Six total squares, like in my whole natal chart. Yeah, I have five. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you counted them. That's good. Yeah, and uh, I'm thinking the one, there's several. I'm thinking the one that's probably... Because I'm trying to get away from thinking about this love life career business. I think <laughs> most really I think the one that might be the heaviest for like my karma and my growth in this life. I don't know. It might be the Sun square Pluto I have. Wow. Yeah. Have, Ooh. The others are like Mars square Saturn. I mean, I know that's happening with Wh- that. What house is the Sun in, and what house is Pluto in? The sun is in second house. The Pluto is in the eleventh house. So the reflection here yeah. would be you were probably your father, right? Your father's father. Yeah. You were also probably. The same kind of friends that all of your friends are. Wow. And if any, second house? Well, second to 11. I see. Okay. And if there's ever any sexual karma that's uh-huh. involved with friends or family for some reason, that would be that reflection. Uh-huh. And also, if anyone ever tried to manipulate your life or affect your directions and goals or did something where you felt it affected you're not having as much direction as you could have, then that's the kind of individual you also would have been. Uh-huh. Does that put things in more perspective for you? Yeah, it seems like it's an awful lot, though. Yeah, one of the ways I love my dad as much as I do mm-hmm. is I know darn well I was the same exact kind of father to him when he was Farley, okay? Right, I get it. And that way I say, instead of being mad at him, I'm like, Farley, you jerk. <laughs> Look at the way you treated your son, you know? My dad's fine. He's a good father. Uh-huh. He's very strict, mm-hmm. and he's very regimental, and he's much of a workaholic. Right. And he's focused and obsessed in a few areas, and that's my reflection. I see. So I'm learning from that reflection. I'm able to see my own past lives in my father and mother for that reason. I see. So if I would ever choose to be a parent, I would try to correct that. Right. See, a lot of people make a mistake, and they become their parents. They see the reflections, but they don't learn from it. They go ahead and and they compound the same mistakes. Then they kick themselves when their parents die and come back as their kids. (laughs) They go, I'm going to treat you the same way, you know. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Marianne now, a Leo, Leo rising, double Leo. Hi, Mary. Hi, how are you? Very good. You sound up today? I'm up today. <laughs> Awake. Okay. I wouldn't have been here if the Lakers would have blown it in the last two minutes, but, you know, I was so excited, and I exuded so much confidence that when they had that run in the third quarter, I, there was, like, no problem, you know? Well, I was totally calm. The last two minutes, I just sat there, <laughs> LAX, and told everybody, no, they're definitely going to win. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. My question is, I have a Scorpio moon that is in hard aspect to everything it touches. So do I. (laughs) Join the club. (laughs) This is real special. Maybe you and I should go and get a major crying doll, right? Oh, it's been a really rough time. And I'm wondering if there's a specific karmic... Yeah, you and I were real jerks in the past. You know all these people that treat us emotionally like we're a wash rag or something you wipe your hands on or something like that? You're looking at a reflection of the type of emotional projection you produced in a past life. Whenever you go through something that seems emotionally irritable, either from within yourself or because you manifested somebody in your life who's not fair with you emotionally or doesn't seem fair, you're looking at your reflection. Scorpio moons, the karma behind that is a reception of a negative emotional energy that we sent out more than once. It's also sexually obsessed, too. We deal with sexual obsessions, too. We get ourselves in trouble. Okay? Yes. <laughs> does that help? Yes, it does. Good luck with your moon. Thank what you. what degrees your moon? Uh, my moon is 
15 degrees. Yeah, mine's 17. Yeah, okay. Well, good luck, okay? Okay, thanks. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. And she's a Leo with a Scorpio moon, just like me. Okay, that's another edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio, Karma in the Natal Chart. Also, thank you for your support. God bless you for keeping us on the air. Okay, everybody, we'll see you real soon. Weekdays on KFOX 93.5 FM at 12 noon. Bye.